0: Start. be real is presented by california college of the arts mfa in writing program getting an mfa at their art school setting in san francisco means you can paint and write design and write and make a film and write you can also just write look for their faculty member leslie carroll roberts's critically acclaimed here is where i walk episodes from a life in the forest out now from university of nevada press and Adam Nemetz, we can save us all from unnamed press. For more information, power on your computer and visit cca.edu writingmfa MFA.
1: You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal but for once in your life Real What a difference a week makes from little women to bad boys. This is Be Real on the Playlist Podcast Network. My name is Chance pfeiffer And I'm Noah Ballard. How are you, my uh partner in crime? What do we do? We fly and die and ride together. We do a lot of stuff together in the legacy of these films, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, in these films, and the legacy of this podcast that we've done together for a number of years. Almost five. Almost five years of riding and dying together. (laughs) I love that you, both now and in the text before this, you're like, ride
1: and die. I think it's supposed to be like, or, I think the, there's an elective or there
0: that's really crucial to the expression. (laughs) So we not just I think the, the, supposing that we're not going to die one day just seems somewhat naive. Oh. So I'm. I'm in favor of both like riding with you during the you know the good, healthy years we have together and then on the back end dying <laughs> to still together. you really
1: turned that on me. um yeah, I guess I've never really thought about the end of my life, but maybe we should do that for a little bit before we talk about the bad boys movies.
0: We should probably just get to the movies
1: okay uh welcome to a reviewing reappraising genre hopping movie podcast on the playlist podcast network definitely like subscribe give us a kind rating check out our fellow shows like the fourth wall and the discourse and indie beat
0: yeah while you're doing while you're listening to this podcast right now in 1.5 speed you should just pick up your phone and just give us a quick five stars it's really just the easiest thing in the world
1: you don't want people to listen to us in 1.5 speed
0: no, I am the Christopher Nolan slash Paul Thomas Anderson of motion smoothing, of playing podcasts at a speed that, the, that these artists did not want you to listen to it.
1: When I fumble for my words, I do so very deliberately. All right, uh, we're going to talk about the Bad Boys franchise, because Bad Boys for Life just came out. We are recording this Sunday night of its opening weekend, and I believe was a sizable hit. Can we get those numbers? Wow. 59 at the domestic box office?
0: Can we talk about the problem of Bad Boys 3 making so much money that it's already been announced that Bad Boys 4 is in the works and the fact that... I mean, people have been talking about this on Twitter already, but the idea that obviously this movie was going to make like $60 million in the first weekend or whatever. Like, If that was your bar... Want to just it? hold bad boys for life, right? For the fourth movie, right?
1: Um, is this expected though? I feel like this is, I don't know,
0: maybe not. I mean, this is the kind of movie that they like get out of the Hollywood like sarcophagus of right. like old IP that hasn't been touched in 17 years and just pray that it does something. And this one actually did, so yeah, maybe you're right.
1: I think it is sort of surprising. Also, I mean, inflation, you know, I'm also like a crazy, like you must count inflation person, Um, but $60 million domestic is what the first film made, like in total. So like this movie is racing past its origin.
0: Absolutely. I thought I had kind of begun to roll my eyes too, as uh, at Will Smith being a like draw movie star. But clearly, like, maybe I'm wrong. Like, Gemini Gemini Man, way underperformed.
1: Yes. Oh, a lot. Um, and th- there's, like, weird elements of Bad Boys for Life, which we're going to talk about last, that are, like, very close. Like, Will Smith insists on, this is like a quarter spoiler, let's say, but fighting a version of himself. That's, like, the only action movies he wants to make now.
0: Right. He the can only, only way be... he can
1: conceive of his own mortality.
0: I guess. Or that's just the scripts that are coming his way.
1: So we have no choice, I don't think. We normally do the most recent movie first, but since we watched Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2, both of us for the first time, is that right?
0: I think I had like... At a like a child's sleepover yeah. or like on a TNT Sunday afternoon, seen both of these movies, but I could not tell you like what the plots of them were before I watched them. Still can't this past week. What's that? I still cannot. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. We're gonna take these in order. We can give you a timestamp if you want to go to the end and just listen to Bad Boys for Life. Um, but uh, well, let's start at the beginning, Noah. It was brilliant. It was foolproof. It was the perfect crime. But for Miami detectives Marcus Burnett
0: and Mike Lowry, Buenos dias, mi It was the ultimate nightmare. Our career bust Which is what hundred million dollars Just do what you do Only faster
1: Let's just talk about How What and what Does not make sense About this as a franchise Because I don't necessarily see That the Bad Boys Franchise Has like a Singular Or like Original fandom Around the characters of Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. Like, I'm not even totally sure a casual fan of these movies could pull both those names if they had to. Even someone
0: who was like, oh, yeah, I like bad boys. Um, but this I think franchise... there's something iconic about the name Mike Lowry. Oh, you think so? All right. But, yeah, maybe not. Marcus Burnett is the first time I'm hearing of Marcus's last name.
1: Sure. Um, I think the reason that this franchise has... 25 year Earning power if not staying power Is because it weirdly Finds itself at the intersection Of so many things I'm going to try to list Them real quick you have Michael Bay Basically Steroidally escalating Tony Scott Um, who is, of course, the first big moneymaker for Simpson and Bruckheimer in producing Top Gun. You have two giant sitcoms that are still running when the first movie gets made, um, which produces, which kicks off one of the great movie star careers of the last 30 years in Will Smith. Um, You have a preview in Michael Bay's filmmaking and also this sort of like, Perception of like hero cops Doing whatever it takes That presages all of how Network TV police shows Are going to look uh, In the 21st century You have a theme song That picks up on cops Which is a You know A cultural signifier From before this movie's. You have Michael Bay Evolving over the course of it And you also have A super mainstream For one of the first times If kind of tasteless Hip hop action movie And then I think You know what else I would throw in there Is probably I feel like there's a weird case to be made that someone who knows more about gaming should make than me, but watching Bad Boys 2 really got me thinking about like Grand Theft Auto, and the, the watermark version of that title, the third one, comes out like just a year apart from it. I think it's just this mash of hyper-masculine culture across lots of mediums that creates the orbit of this whole thing.
0: Right, and the I, th- I would I I think the high watermark too of Will Smith's ability to charm in both the TV show Fresh Prince kind of way and really like dazzle a crowd in a huge blockbuster with an Independence Day.
1: Right. Right. Independence Day is same year as this, right?
0: Same year. Yeah. Same year. Okay. And then you have Martin Lawrence at the sort of height of his comedic thing, and he has his own. He's in the first years of Martin, his eponymous sitcom. Mm -hmm. But before we get too, like, in the weeds about that, can I ask you, like, a maybe crazy uh, existential question about the Bad Boys franchise? You may. Do you think that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, like, have a ton of chemistry? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't really either. And I thought maybe I was just thinking that because I saw the third one sort of first accidentally. And it's like, oh, these are just like old men like cashing in and like desperately need a paycheck. And then I went back and watched the first and second one. And they equally feel like they are in totally disparate films.
1: The first one is full of improvised scenes because Bay didn't like the script where he's just like, you guys just shit talk until you figure out this scene, and they are not good at it
0: it's that's so interesting to me too. And it kind of forgives the fact that this property will not interact with a screenwriter of color for the amount of like racial humor there is in it true, so it's sort of interesting to ask like where the line is between Martin Lawrence and will Smith sort of riffing right and like even the Hispanic cops sort of riffing about it racial tropes of the late 90s and early 2000s. Sure. And where, like, the Michael Berry, George Gallo script comes in.
1: Tough to say. Do we want to dive in on 1995 Bad Boys? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, This is Michael Bay's first movie. He had previously... After directing approximately a thousand
0: music videos.
1: And he had won a a Clio award for directing a Red Cross commercial, which I could not find, but I bet is so inspirationally militaristic if I had to bet on what is in that commercial. God, I bet there
0: is just someone just exploding with blood and then someone just piecing them back together while the camera spins around them at sort of like a... Mayhem level
1: What is on YouTube is some hilarious commercials He directed in the Got Milk campaign Where the camera swirling is just Nauseating Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah so this movie Was a hit but not a big one Uh, 60 million domestic Um, It's really Bad Boys 2 that, that picks it up From there and You have a movie that to me feels A lot like a I mean, it's clearly in the lethal weapon formula. Um, There are still some very 80s things about it, but with a mistaken identity hijinks thing that feels indebted to an episode
0: of Fresh Prince. Yeah, I hadn't realized that this is, I mean, if you pitch this in a studio conference room, you just say it's lethal weapon meets trading places. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's essentially what it, like this one is, the the goof of Martin Lawrence being mistaken for Will Smith's character is not just a goof, it's like the majority of the conflict of the movie.
1: But it's also very lazy trading places. <laughs> right, it doesn't do
0: anything. It doesn't do anything with that. There's just right. a lot of scenes where he could get caught and then tay Leone rolls her eyes and like the plot continues. Yeah. What's the synopsis here? Give me oh a plot. Boy. You said you would have trouble.
1: They are, and you want me to do it because I said I would have trouble. They are renegade cops in Miami. Um, And
0: then. (laughs) See, on IMDb, they're described as two hip detectives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm letting my politics show a little bit there. Um, Yeah. So then, a bunch of drug dealers steal uh, possessed drugs. Like, the, the police department is already confiscated. And they steal them back. They are led by the first of so many terrible anonymous villains in this franchise. A man named (laughs) Fouché, who is played by the actor Chetsky cardio. And what they try to get the drugs back. I don't know. Oh, and then uh, a friend, a love interest of Mike Lowry uh, is called in. She's a, call girl i think a sex worker is called in by one of the people who pulled off the heist and brings her roommate tay leone like sort of completely by accident she's also a, photographer. a non-sex
0: worker comes to a what is like a sex work exchange
1: and then fouché gets real pissed off at this guy because he's not supposed to be getting high on the supply but he is and fouché kills the party host will smith's a uh, fleeting love interest And then Taylor Leone narrowly escapes Becoming a witness to this crime That's crucial to Marcus and Mike's case And then they just blow everything up I mean I hope I'm not being too glib about that like, The the thing that There's leads to not another way to describe pl- it From plot machination to plot machination in this movie Is like Joe Pantoliano yells at him At them And they just like careen back onto the streets Until they smash into something
0: I I don't mean to be like body shaming or anything like that. I don't mean to speak with any language that could cause someone to be self-conscious about their physical form. But Martin Lawrence is unrecognizably thin in this role. Yeah. It's so interesting how he... I mean, he looks like an absolutely different person.
1: It's interesting, I think, because he... And there's a scene in a boxing gym. Miami has this cool... Rich history of boxing gyms Because that's where Ali trained before the Liston fight In the early 60s Um, And I do kind of like that scene where they go there And you see like Martin Lawrence like very capably Do the Ali shuffle and kind of pose around And he's got just these long Scrawny arms coming out of that sort of Non-thermal red vest He's wearing Um, (laughs) And his physical presence is yeah Just totally different
0: Yeah he's not going to have The same Physique bad boys for life almost to like spoof level results
1: a big problem with marcus is that he never feels like a cop i think it would make so much more sense if martin lawrence if marcus was the like the techier cop or had like some natural skill for reading people or something that were, you know, the wa- the oil and water could come together to create like a like a series of detective skills. But I think if you look right. back at the beginning of the where this franchise came from, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer originally wanted Dana Carvey and John Lovitz in these roles. So you know that that was eight or nine years before. Um, but comedy, so th- that tells you just that comedy was always the priority um but when you go full action movie the marcus character just doesn't make sense here and makes even less sense the further forward you go in time
0: it does feel like marcus is like the funny guy and will i mean i guess will smith is more or less the straight man but will smith's character is like almost too nuanced to like balance off of like what is just, like, a bumbling imbecile in the Marcus character. Right. And it also doesn't quite make sense, like, without those sort of, like, inherent street smarts or whatever makes him, like, a somewhat competent cop. Yeah. He, like, doesn't have that, and he pretty overtly gets in the way of Will Smith stopping the bad guy, like, notably by him driving so conservatively, which is played for laughs in all three of the movies, and then him being, like, either held hostage... Or like shot accidentally or something horrible physical, like horribly physical happens to to him. But it's somehow always Marcus trying to leave their like, quote unquote, unhealthy relationship. Like right. he's either trying to transfer or he's retiring. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about Michael Bay at this time? Baby Bay. Baby Bay. Baby Bay doesn't have a ton of money. Not enough, nearly enough money for the Bayhem that will... Right. Come later, The um, scene
1: where they steal the co- the criminals steal the co- the drugs from the storehouse, and then exit on that sled through the t- tube is like a pretty cool Michael Bayism. but then, oh yeah, there's the, the prologue there, yeah from somewhere like deep, deep on a molecular level, I'm like, "Well, the storeroom's going to explode. Like they're not going to leave the storeroom and not blow it up, and they don't blow it up, and you're like, "Wow, I'm really watching the first Michael Bay movie.
0: And he's a little bit more conservative. The effects are sort of interesting. If a little low budget, uh, mm-hmm. the car chases weren't like they're interest. They're cool cars going really fast, but they clearly don't have the money to wreck a ton, which they'll definitely have the budget for in the second one. Absolutely. What do you think of? So all of these, all three of these movies also have like a female foil and this one, it's tay Leone as the aforementioned witness that they're trying to protect. Uh, what do you think of her?
1: I don't know if you remember. I've gone on the record, like, way in our archives, talking about Deep Impact and JP three. I am just like averse to Taylor Leone. I don't. I have a hard Madam to- secretary. Wow. Yes, uh, and I know that that is a federal crime, but I I cannot deal. She had. I don't. It's hard to describe. She just never works out the like. The level that to which she should care about the material, like the eye rolling at the how dumb the two guys are, like never feels like super self possessed. But she's also kind of like willfully like whiny and in danger. I just don't like
0: her. And it's a tough character too because it's she's n- both. Not a character. Well, it's both, like, the worst tropes of how, like, women mess up things that men are trying to accomplish. Yes. In movies, like, notably when they're, like, about to capture the, the like, main drug deal supplier guy. And she just, like, comes in with a gun and, like, tries to shoot him from 200 <laughs> yards away with, like, a, a handgun. It's like, right. what, you, what did you think you were going to do here? And the whole right. movie, there's, like, there's an interminable amount of time after this. Like, right? let's... Keep that in its holster. Um, But she does come through in the end. And I will give it to the, like, the airplane hangar sequence. It's, like, pretty, pretty dece.
1: Yeah, Bay is just, like, hoarding every penny he can for that day.
0: Nobody loves more, like, a... A field of dead airplanes than michael bay like they're featured prominently i think in most of his films like people just love meeting there like you and i would meet at a starbucks he wants to meet at the field with the the fuselages of the old planes that's right
1: he every any innocuous meeting place should be a pre-existing tableau of things to blow up and knock over
0: they're just crushed and twisted metal. Right. Like, if you can't see that in your eye line at all times. <laughs> and there's these amazing two shots from, like, almost underneath, like, the up-the-nostril shot of, like, oh, my God, I have to go do something now. Like, there's this particularly uncanny shot when you realize, like, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, like, get out of this car after this massive wreck. And they, like, the camera sort of pans around them and this, like, Miami... Skyline, and they're like, "Oh no, this is not a three-act movie. It's actually a five-act movie." (laughs) It's
1: nice that everyone finds that out. Um, Let me ask you this, because it's something I want to—I want to make it a segment for all three movies. What is your favorite, sickeningly funny bit of civilian endangerment in each film?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, do you have? Uh,
1: I have some for this one.
0: Yeah, please. What do you? You go first.
1: Well, where the movie actually really cracks open is where Will Smith, with his shirt hanging open, just goes sprinting after Fouché, like that. We said his budget is limited, but that's the best special effect in the movie. Is just young Will Smith running. It's so great. But in that uh, foot car chase turned foot race, um, you have them cross paths with a group of. Basketball players with disabilities for some reason. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which is just, Michael, why not have them like run over a parade of ducklings or something? Uh, And then there's a scene where the SUVs on the bike path, and he does that kind of perfect cut where you pick up like a little of the same action from the back end of the first cut and the front end of the first edit, and the guy's just... You can tell that there's a real man on the bike path bridge who has to get the fuck out of the way or he will die. It's good.
0: It's something.
1: I think... I think I mean what I said. I think it's sickeningly funny. I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about the politics of these movies. There's almost like... I think if you... If a person, say, for instance, watched three Bad Boys movies for a podcast, they would probably need to get over themselves fairly quickly in terms of this director's like inherently fascistic tendencies <laughs> in telling these yeah. stories. And twenty-five years ago, the comedy of Martin Lawrence is not friendly toward gay people. Um, you don't like it. There's a point there's a part in Bad Boys 2 where Will Smith says. Uh, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, and I think that that's kind of the approach. Hate to... the Taylor. <laughs> oh, is that what he says? No, oh,
0: that's, that's a Martin how Martin Lawrence, Lawrence responds.
1: That. That's right. That's right. These movies are kind of like a "don't hate the player, hate the game" category because they're just speaking to that horror, like kind of really problematic mash of things I talked about at the opening. Um, what else do we have to say about? Original what do you think Bad of Panelliano
0: as the? oft-cursing, oft-anti-acid-consuming detective, lead detective chief person.
1: I like the scene where he is by himself playing basketball, but it kind of looks like an art installation for some reason. Like, there's a series of basketballs scattered upon the floor in a formation that if you've ever been to a gym anywhere, like... They would never be that way because someone would be on the court like running around. Um, right. But yeah, he's got a cigar
0: and he's uh, really, really badly shooting hoops. Yeah, I wonder what the purpose of that scene is. Like why does he have A, so many basketballs at his disposal but yet he keeps retrieving the same one in all the shots that we see, A. And B, yeah, why is he so bad at it? He clearly has done it at least for six previous hours. Like what, whatever. <laughs> Let's not pick at it too much. Uh, Panigliano is
1: fine. Um, the other, the this just movie is so uh, unabashedly, the police chief who's like, give me a fucking gun and badge if you don't figure this out. Like that's been a trope for almost 15 years by the point this movie is made. And this movie's like, no, we're just going to do it louder than it's ever been done.
0: Of all three of these movies, which is your favorite nightclub? The one from this one, which is aptly titled Hell. (laughs) Uh The water one with the ODing acid ecstasy guy.
1: I like Stormare's MDMA Club.
0: Or what's his name? That rapper guy riding the speaker to safety to that ridiculous motorcycle chase.
1: I want to... Go to and then overdose in the Bad Boys 2 Club.
0: God, I feel like all Michael Bay's movies are just in that room where there's just like water of. Oh, 100%. Just, like, just room temperature water just spraying <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> people just dancing and dying and being That's dragged right. out uh, by uh, Peter Stormare. Yeah god we gotta get to the second one we
1: gotta get to the second one um
0: this is can i just say that i just don't think this movie made that much of an impression on me no. it's such a throwaway like cop movie with some laughs and some interesting early like mumble cory cops driving around in a Porsche, chit chat about masculinity and boners and not having enough sex or whatever
1: i don't know if i'd call it mumblecore, but they're mumbling because the they're just trying to improv. <laughs>
0: They're trying out improv for the first time and it's with mixed results. But this movie definitely doesn't leave the like I don't know, like crater impression of Bad Boys 2.
1: No. I honestly and I you will probably disagree with this, but this is my least favorite of the three. It's I think it's a bad bad for sure.
0: Yeah, I think I think I have to agree with you. There are moments where you see that this could be a good movie if only drastic 180 choices are made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty bad. Sort of hard to follow. Not really. Follow. Th- it doesn't seem like the people on screen have bought in that much.
1: No. And why would they? I mean, if you can think back to 1995, it's just like, uh, put two TV stars in a car and give this guy who makes music videos the camera. You know, there's nothing... Again, there's nothing like singularly inspirational about this franchise or the mythology around it.
0: Yeah, from the same... creative laziness that brought you that uh kumil nanjani movie with that big guy from guardians of the galaxy and that uber (laughs) together comes the plot of bad boys you're of course referencing stuber
1: but the problem (laughs) with this movie is that it's not the configuration from stuber martin lawrence is not an innocent and which explains why he's so bad at priest police work he's like an average cop but he seems this movie like it would make much more sense if it was stuber or ride along or something
0: then why is this movie such like a, I mean, so-called American classic? Who's calling it that? I mean, a movie that there's three of has to have some fan base, almost four.
1: I think Will Smith and Martin Lawrence have a fan base. I think For Michael sure. Bay is a fan base. I think action movie filmmaking That troubles me large. even more. <laughs> Actually, I want to, when we get there, I want to say something about Michael Bay's fan base. Um, okay. So let's talk, I, it's also a bad, bad.
0: I think it's bad bad I'm sorry to say Alright
1: I'm not sorry in the slightest Let's talk about Bad Boys 2 from 2003 Um, And maybe we can pick it up right where we left off Which is like why do you come back Other than everyone is more famous Has more money and is better at the thing But what is it about the bad idea Eight years in the past of all these people Where they're like we could just do that idea again
0: yeah, I don't I don't know. It's From strange. the laziness that brought you the original Bad Boys comes Bad Boys 2, but I have to say though, yeah. They really like went for it in oh, of Bad Boys 2 in a way that like it feels like everyone's buying in. It's nice to see that Martin Lawrence has sort of like taken on a a more comedic physical presence True. at the outset, I think. And Will Smith like, he's no longer the Fresh Prince anymore. He's, like, seen a little wear and tear. Sure. And so there's something a little bit more, like, almost grizzled about the two of them at the outset. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just like the the one before it, we're just immediately off to the races and, you know, hold on to your butts.
1: Since 9-11, we've gone high tech over the water, so the dope runners have gone low. The biggest shipment on record is coming in tonight,
0: and we want to know who's behind it. What can go wrong with that? With you alive. I can't be in a gunfight every day. We just want to talk. You want to talk? Oh, God. They can't hear you because they're still shooting at you. You all right, man? Bullets, man. You didn't tell Marcus about us. No. Mike, he's my brother, okay? Don't be scared. Whoa, hey, I ain't say I was scared. Just Something wrong with your brother. (laughs) Mike, did you notice when we left, everybody was dead? No, no, we didn't kill the one dude. (laughs) This has got to be the worst, most emotional cop week of my life. Yeah, it's been a little rough.
1: An era has changed over. Because by the time Bay makes The Rock... The very next year, he's Michael Bay, legibly. But then, an interesting a point I wanted to make about two compared to one is, I, I <laughs> these movies were a little tough for me to stay focused during. Um, oh, for so sure. I was looking for ways to sort of like make sense of them, and I decided to go the cinematography route. The DP for Bad Boys Two is Amir Mokri, whose cameras have essentially you know, set the tone for what modern action filmmaking looks like. He's the DP on this, on Fast and Furious, the fourth one, and on Man of Steel. So that's him touching, uh, like, a bunch of the different tent poles of what we now think action movies should look like. The DP on the first one was named Howard Atherton, and the biggest films on his resume were Fatal Attraction and Indecent Proposal. Wow. That's just an era in filmmaking completely turning over.
0: Yeah, it's an unlikely set of people, an unlikely crew, and yeah, pretty I mean it's cut rate cast again.
1: Not what? a cut rate,
0: a uh a top flight cast again.
1: Well some of it is kind of cut rate though. Well <laughs> like, maybe some, some of why it why are is. they
0: so why do the why does this franchise never give a shit about its villains? But yeah, I think the Johnny Tapia character is a little bit more compelling. It immediately shows him as like a pretty charismatic sort of European movie star of a drug dealer guy. He's got like the two women playing with his guns in his bed as he orchestrates this cross-continental drug deal with a series of like red herrings for the local customs and U.S. customs and All the people trying to catch up with them, bringing in millions, of 150 million dollars of ecstasy, all labeled with like the uh, mud flap girl with the leg over crossing leg thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do, of course. (laughs) On the back of semis. On the back of semis, right. Um, And of course, this bumps into the DEA operation that Gabriel, Union Sid and this is Martin Lawrence's sister who just hooked up with Will Smith in New York a couple weeks ago we're Mm -hmm. still in Miami folks don't worry right Uh, there's this DEA operation against Alexei a like Russian local drug dealer guy who owns this club that people seem to die pretty frequently and like no one seems to break it up Uh, whatever
1: throw him in the alley
0: (laughs) right uh i love his his crony too his his second in command
1: oh yeah that guy Uh, who's so excited to get some red wine before he dies
0: before he's cut into a hundred pieces i do like a good merlot like lead on (laughs) (laughs) we hear you like red wine that's right (laughs) take me to the most secluded part of the house But, and then the Will Smith and Martin Lawrence character, what do they, I forget what like brings them in contact with, they were supposed to bust some end of the drugs that the KKK was bringing in, which links them both to Alexi and to the Tapia character in a pretty outrageous cold open. Oh, yeah. With a, oh, my God. Did you notice that they light the cross on fire right as it says, directed by Michael Bay?
1: <laughs> I can't say I noticed that timing.
0: But <laughs> that it's right over <laughs> it. It's it's perfectly timed. That is about the attention paid to most
1: political reads on his films anyway. He's just like, mm, what? That's a problem? I think it looks cool.
0: Things are going to explode, yeah. Yeah. I really like the early joke too. It seems like the jokes are tighter on this one too than in the original Bad Boys of when Martin Lawrence doesn't know the first verse to the Bad Boys song. Right. It just sort of like makes the noises. Yeah, and one of the more charming
1: jokes in the third one is him being like, the verse takes a long time to learn. Like, don't make fun of that
0: song. Right. It's only been 17 years. You
1: have a much better screenwriter on this movie in Ron, Ron Shelton.
0: Yeah, from the mind of the tin cup, like oh, I said.
1: Oh, I see, yes. And
0: like Bull Durham.
1: And and Bull Durham. And uh uh White Man Can't Jump. He's a good screenwriter.
0: And he's good at banter. He's a good screenwriter. He is good at banter. And so it feels like less responsibility for the humor has been given to like whatever Martin Lawrence can think of when they're in the car together. <laughs> right. This which movie is good. has like much much better and definitely weirder, like, one-liners, they say, after they, like, get almost get creamed by a tractor trailer. Uh-huh. You know, Will Smith <laughs> will be like, I almost fucked up there, but I didn't fuck up.
1: Yeah, you have a specificity in the writing that is combined with them just being, like, more comfortable being on a movie with a budget of $130 million. I like the bit where they're trying to work out... It's another sitcom plot where it's like, oh, Will Oh no, Will Smith hooked up with my sister last summer, but we can't let Marcus find out. And he's trying to recount the NYC story where they had run into each other, but in the version of the story, he's telling Marcus, of course, he can't tell where they hooked up. And he's like, oh yeah, we went out to dinner. She had fish.
0: It was grouper. He's just doing all the details that don't yeah. involve them hooking it was, up. It's, it
1: was grouper, is the line that I liked.
0: It was grouper. Yeah. And not to go back on an earlier statement we made, Chance, but. According to the quote page on the IMDb for Bad Boys 2, the line is, from the yearbook, we ride together, comma, we die together. So they do die. An implied and. They do die.
1: So hold on. Are you telling me that, like, we're all going to die?
0: This movie replaces the (laughs) Judeo-Christian tropes for sort of a, like, woo-woo spirituality like just take deep breaths as religion right like zen calmness or something but like with no specific names and they're i don't know how i feel about it's it's so prevalent too it's not just like a, a one joke they throw away once there's a weird cut scene of martin lawrence with like an ugly german therapist or something Mm -hmm. and then immediately followed up by a scene of like will smith having sex with his therapist both of them letting out the phrase "wusa" at the end and then joe panagliano is clearly also seen either one of or both of those therapists and he's also doing the "wusa" when he's telling them that they fucked up Oh, man.
1: I really don't think this is intentional, necessarily, because I think it's just cheap jokes about how, like, men don't need therapy, and if you need therapy, you're clearly the, you know, not as masculine comic relief of this movie. But I think there, if you look at the three movies in totality, I think there is an interesting read in how suddenly this pops up in two that is, like, somewhat Freudian, where, like, they know, like, I can't keep... Being as angry and destructive as I have been, being because like I will die, uh, I have to do something to calm down. Because um, otherwise, like, why is it in this movie so much? It's not that funny.
0: It's really not that funny. I tell you, what's an incredibly funny scene what's too, that? and one that has no business being in a movie that's this fucking long. <laughs> this movie's movie is two and a half hours, by the way. If you didn't know the mo- the scene where Mike and Marcus like inter- put on characters and interrogate Reggie, the yeah. guy that's come to take out uh, Marcus's daughter. He's at least thirty. He's at least thirty, <laughs> <laughs> and he's and that joke comes back in a way that people in my audience found very meaningful in the third one.
1: People in my theater screamed out. You at least about 30 when Reggie came on the screen.
0: That's incredible. I couldn't, didn't realize that this has been a 17 year long movie joke.
1: That scene also makes me uncomfortable though, because of like how Will Smith is just like pointing a gun at a child's head the whole time,
0: drinking brown liquor out of the bottle and pretending he's like a recently freed inmate.
1: Right. You and I are not the right people to have this discussion But don't you think there's something weird In these movies where In a Race in America sense They're like aspirational And like we're supposed to cheer for these guys Because they are cool black guys Who all the villains hate them because they're black But then That's also very tough to enjoy Because they like Represent A completely out of control Police state who will like murder with impunity
0: Right. It it only takes front row tickets to Heat v. Lakers to completely get your phone tapped without a Judge's warrant in this world. And that's just the kind of fascism that like gives me the ickies.
1: I think the comedy, the catharsis you're supposed to get from the KKK scene, which I kind of got, which is like, yeah, two of the most famous black men of this era, like, you know, putting some lead in the KKK is fun. Um, but then, like, right next to that, you have Henry Rollins, of all people, like, talking to his unit, being like, ever since 9-11, we only do fascism. Get out there. Right. <laughs> it's so weird.
0: And they're just, like, the, the incongruity of how, like, well they're organized with the fact that, like, their Radio Shack walkie-talkies don't work. And, like, right. their, the Burning Cross, like, keeps them from seeing the fact that this guy's waving a gun around. So strange. I tell you what is not a funny scene and a total wasted setup and an an unnecessary addition to this movie's already bloated runtime is watching two like maybe cartoon rats have sex with each other (laughs) in the missionary (laughs) position. Yeah, because this movie's trying
1: to make like rats be Marcus's famous phobia along the lines of Indiana Jones and snakes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then he looks over to see these two... Rats humping in missionary position, and he just then he gets Will Smith on the radio, and in the middle of them setting up illegal wiretaps in this drug dealer's home, goes, "Did you know that rats fuck like us?"
1: <laughs> For not being funny, I'm laughing about a lot of, right a lot right now.
0: Me, you remembering this otherwise throwaway sequence uh, is making you laugh. That's not true. the Not the sequence itself.
1: And then, Bay, on the technical level, is, when you get that we texted about this this week, but when you have that scene that is 360-ing around the wall in the home of the Haitian gang,' incredible. Uh, it's unbelievable the like how disoriented you are, but also like how you really understand like the angles of this house for each kill. Um, which is actually something is really good seeing Cause it's something that he doesn't give a shit about for the most part is you understanding where people are in space in an action scene.
0: He does not care for that. He just cares about the interesting angles that like a bullet can take going through a human skull.
1: Right. There's definitely some bullet time ripping off in this movie.
0: There's a lot of icky bullet stuff. I would yeah. say, I mean, this movie's just too long. So like that stuff just feels kind of unpleasant. Um, what do you think so you didn't care for the the performance of the the villain whatever that fucking guy's name is
1: oh uh Spanish actor Jordi Moya uh no he's very bad He's I don't think yeah <laughs> You're right (laughs) It's not any good I like it when they chase him to Cuba This is where if you enjoy any bit of Michael Bay shamelessness And I don't enjoy it as much as some people Like every time I come back to a Michael Bay movie I have the voice in my head of smart people I respect Going like oh he's the vulgar auteur Or like you have to appreciate that he puts his authorial stamp on movies In the same way someone who's like much better at directing Like Martin Scorsese does And every time I come out like a little disappointed I was like yeah like the stamp is there but it's but it sucks.
0: <laughs> um, the stamp is certainly there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if
0: these movies were shorter, they'd be more endurable. Oh, um, yeah.
1: Because they're just exor- carnage exercises. Like, why have it be two and a half hours?
0: Yeah, why have it be two and a half hours when you have... I think, frankly, there's like a good hundred-minute movie in here. Yeah. the
1: I think the Cuba action at the end is the breathtakingly violent and interesting.
0: I think it's amazing how fast and furious either four or five lifts the whole sequence of the two big cars, the Hummer in this case and the truck, like just piling through this like shanty town on the side of this mountain. I think of it's course five the, when they're in Brazil, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's when they're in Brazil. This at least movie has the decency to have, some adr line that's like these are where the drug dealers live because <laughs> otherwise it's like you're just like knocked over a bunch of poor people's houses in
1: that uh, favela i think they're called but yeah it seems like yeah. the cuba ending like aren't, aren't you sort of surprised that there's not like like a fidel castro spit take or something like they like drive yeah, by the presidential it's, palace it's very shameless. yeah and also again back to the 12 the mind of the 12 year old Just fucking driving on to Gitmo is a hilariously
0: juvenile idea. It's also so loaded, like, post, like, a few years after this movie, Gitmo is not going to have the same sort of, like, it's our safe space on Cuba. (laughs) It's going to have a deeply different connotation.
1: I don't even know, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was 13 then. I wasn't paying attention, but... Yeah, speaking of that ever since 9-11 line, like what's going on at Gitmo in 2003?
0: Yeah, no wonder they're shooting and they're, no, there's a fucking minefield outside. Yep. What do you think this movie is if you had to rate it in like a, a system where it was like you, the first thing is based on quality and of like the movie itself technically and then the second half is about you, how much you enjoyed it?
1: I think this one's bad good. Um, I don't think that the characters are like... It is a little funnier. It's a little... The individual scenes are a little tighter. I don't think it's like really any... Like better, it's not any deeper. It's not any like more interesting. They don't like crack anything with the characters. Um, the Gabby Union, I think Gabby Union is uh, more charming in the movie than Tay Leone ever was. But like the only reason she's in the movie is to be like, oh, she's a professional who's a woman, so she needs our help. Um, so I think the it's still foil. still bad on the first level. But uh, you know, the escalation kind of does it for me on this one. It has the even though it's an impossible two and a half hours long. You can, if we're going by the really, like, way back, if the se- if the entertainment value is TNT on a Saturday afternoon, you can really tune in and out of this movie and in and out and way out and then be jarred back in and you won't miss a thing and it's just as enjoyable. It's probably more enjoyable than if you watch it really closely. So, bad good.
0: yeah. I thought this movie was bad good, too. It's it's certainly not a well-made movie. No. <laughs> that, you knew that when you hit play on the podcast here. Yes. Uh, but it's a, it's a decent amount of fun. It's mm-hmm. the kind of movie, too, where you can like get up and go to the bathroom, and you don't even have to pause. It's going to be just where it was when you get back five minutes later. And if you missed anything, they'll repeat it several times. Uh and not that much happens that makes sense anyway. But the explosions are really cool. Big. They're so big. 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 Things things love to blow up, especially at the end they take the most beautiful house you've ever seen and they blow the thing up in several stages. Right. All right. Bad boys for life? Should we do this? So,
1: the year is now 2020. A science fiction year if ever I heard of one. And we and interle- intellectual property is everything. Here's a piece of intellectual property. If, for instance, uh, Gemini Man just bombed, and Martin Lawrence hasn't been in a meaningful movie in 15 God, Columbia years.
0: must have been sweating bullets after that box office.
1: Both of these men are now in their fifties, I believe. Another thing that is notably changed is that Michael Bay is not the director of this movie.
0: The directors are, but that that doesn't stop him from being. A guest at the wedding <laughs>
1: We will discuss Um Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fallah Are our directors here Um They are Belgian credited,
0: Yeah credit is just Adil and Bilal
1: Okay They are Not Michael Bay But Is that a bad thing? I don't know There's there's a lot This movie This is a movie for me of trade-offs Um <laughs> <laughs> while <laughs> still sure. ending basically the same spot do i consider this to be like that much different than the other two like no i do not <laughs> we're it's all relative to the bad boys uh CU here the BBCU. Right.
0: well and going into this movie as i said earlier i saw this movie first before revisiting the original and then the second that's so crazy some of it was like I was like, "Oh, this is the thing I need to know from the previous one for this one to make sense." And then there are some moments where the Bad Boys universe seems so much wider than the two move, like previous movies would have you believe yes. that it's almost it was almost confusing seeing prequels to this movie that presuppose like wildly different reads on these characters and like where they came from.
1: Yes, if you care for some reason about bad boy spoilers like, we'll, I guess we'll cut you off in about 10 minutes here but, um, but yeah, there are things in this movie that are absolutely I mean, I joked about BBCU, but that are like corporate hive mind ways of thinking about intellectual property and origin stories that have invaded this like stupid groundless like buddy cop thing where they're just like where did mike lowry come from like what made him um we are that's everybody <laughs> thinks the fucking same in 2020 when it comes to developing franchise movies
0: remember knock and talk yeah knock knock <laughs> Mighty Peeny, get down! What the hell happened to knock and talk? Hands behind your head, right now. I got this. I'm gonna penetrate this man's soul with my heart. What? Watch and learn, sir. I realize that you're scared. You know, sometimes fear. How deep you think you got in this soul? I'm done, Mike. I'm retiring. Uh-oh, here we go again. You want your legacy to be muscle shirts and body counts? <laughs> Look at this mess. It's carnage. I didn't do all this. You didn't shoot anybody?
1: Well, come on, Captain. You know I shot some people. Yeah. Fuck me. Fuck, fuck, fuck. But yeah, we pick up like immediately where we left off in a self-aware gag. Lots of self-aware gags in this movie, as you might imagine. It literally starts with Marcus being scared to drive fast again. And Will Smith is like, man, this is how you drive. Um, but then it turns out they're on the way to the delivery of his granddaughter Mar- uh, Marcus's granddaughter and that kind of like gives you a sense of where they're at like Will Smith is still trying to make it happen as a you know 50 year old super cop which of course reflects the state that he's in and uh, Marcus is thinking about retiring which finally one of the things I will say for this movie is that like that finally makes sense it's like here's a guy who is old and a little fat And is trying to not do this anymore. (laughs) And it's like, yes, because he never seemed like a cop. He never seemed good at this. He never seemed like he had any particular set of skills regarding this. So that finally, like, clicks for me.
0: But what doesn't, I think, make sense about these movies? It's like, why does Will Smith need him? He doesn't
1: need... Yes, 100%.
0: So like that, him trying to pull him back into this world uh, doesn't make a ton of sense. And I think we can spoil right away that the the inciting incident for this movie is, so after a drug dealer's wife, after like a mob drug dealer's wife uses her supernatural powers to escape from prison. (laughs)
1: That's a major spoiler.
0: She like is doing her little like voodoo talking thing in the opening scene.
1: All right.
0: Before the credits even play, she's yeah. she's whispering to herself in Spanish, um, and her and her son by are Alexander seeking Ludwig. revenge, not only for the father getting killed, but for some indictment that like set everything off. So they're like killing the original judge and detective, and it seems like Will Smith's like at the bottom of this list. And because they want him to like see the mayhem first before dying this brutal death. But unfortunately, after an assassination attempt, Will Smith survives and has to figure out like what the fuck's going on. Cause he was like, they got to his name out of order or something. It was weird.
1: I wanna talk audience, I wanna talk about people who are fans of bad boys um you said that your audience at the screening was very into it right
0: the girl behind me on the escalator going down after the movie said it was the most dope movie she'd ever seen and we have no available list of the other titles that she's seen right no she did not rank it after what must have been the second star wars prequel and nothing else (laughs)
1: I've seen Attack of the Clones, Bad Boys for Life. This is the most dope movie I've ever seen.
0: This is the most dope. Yeah that's, yeah, that's my only basis for comparison. I've
1: seen Remains of the Day. I've seen Bad Boys for Life. This is the dopest movie I've ever seen. This is the most dope. <laughs> okay. Um, I had some people in the audience who, in the scene, there's a scene where Joe Pinaliano is at his daughter's basketball game, and he and Will Smith have this conversation that's kind of bizarre. One of the things about this movie having a good heart is it gets a little bizarre sometimes when like the script is trying too hard to make that clear. And he's got the whole speech that's like based in Buddhism about you know coming to center, give- forgiving everyone, letting go if you can, and uh, letting life do what it will do, ride and die if you will. From what I've learned today, for the first time I'm gonna die. Um, <laughs> but he's at the <laughs> basketball game, and his daughter misses a shot, and she's like. She's got her father's basketball skills. And someone in the audience is like, ah, that's from the first movie. <laughs> and I was so <laughs> taken aback that anyone would see that as like an Easter egg of continuity <laughs> from the art installation basketball scene we discussed earlier. Uh,
0: whoever that person was would absolutely love this podcast.
1: They, well, except for all the things we said about bad boys. <laughs> If you could exclude those Yeah, I don't
0: know. Yeah, yeah, who who would go into the third bad boys looking for? But it is clearly by design. Yes. Speaking of who would go into
1: the third bad boys. Who willingly shows up to an early screening of Bad Boys 3 is excited to be there and when Michael Bay appears on screen, boos him. <laughs> What What is your relationship to the franchise If that's your move
0: <laughs> You think like he's the thing Separating it from being truly great Right I don't know What can wild. that person First What of can all, that person's thought Process be You showed up
1: You know enough about Bad Boys to have showed up You know enough about movies That you know who Michael Bay is That 80% of the theater does not recognize Michael Bay on site
0: no, he's just some weird stringy man with weird stringy hair. Um, I did
1: like, of course, that they do the, the the camera spin when he's the wedding MC. That was right. Like he's in one dope. of the
0: previous movies too. He's like the guy where they he's in that little car and Martin Lawrence tries to like commandeer it, and Will Smith's like, "You don't want that one." He oh. goes, "You freak!" <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. It's great. I forget which one it's in. It's in one of the previous ones. It's not this one.
1: Bay's got a hell of a suntan. He looks like he's just, you know, spending Netflix's, whatever's left of the six underground money, which there couldn't have been anything left.
0: I do like that this one is sort of the Irishman of the bad boys movies. Like very concerned with that. The twilight of, I mean, we talked about it uh, in terms of Gemini men. The idea that this is so clearly a parable for where Will Smith feels he is in his career that he's just like fighting younger versions of himself to stay relevant. But I don't know that like that is actually what is happening to Will Smith's career. I think he has not found the right foil for him at this point in his acting career that like does something interesting for him on screen. I don't think it's that, Oh, you know, whatever, like some younger actor is getting cast as we would have 10 years ago, given it to Will Smith. I almost think that those roles of the charming action hero don't really exist anymore.
1: Right. I think that's true. I don't think that he's been, uh, to steal like a ringer phrase, like market corrected. I think that he just has not made very canny industry decisions. Like Bright is not right. a canny industry decision. Neither was Gemini Man. Neither was Focus.
0: Um I mean anything from After Earth on.
1: You know what his next role is?
0: Uh what? Is he adapting an August Wilson play or something? Uh
1: I you're on the right track. He plays in a in a drama. He will play the maniacal father of the Williams sisters. Venus and Serena.
0: Do you think he'll tell them at some point to tell the truth?
1: <laughs> right. It's definitely like a, three years ago I tried concussion. Didn't work. Let me get another Oscar sports drama. Yeah. Dr. Amalu. Justice for Dr. Amalu, let me say. I never saw that movie. Um, let- <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man.
1: But I was not expecting to laugh at the airplane scene where... Martin Lawrence says we fly together we die together And the whole plane is like Excuse me I really thought that was a good Gag um I think That That was a good gag I think they really dialed it In and okay let's we're crossing the spoiler Terrain get out of here for some reason you don't want Bad boys for life spoilers Finally finally He is positioned to actually Be the comedic relief Where he hears the whole story about the relationship Between the cartel Widow and Will Smith and he goes You fucked a married witch Like, it's pretty
0: good. (laughs) It is pretty good. I also think finally, finally, this movie was unafraid to become the magical realist uh, IP that we always knew it could be.
1: (laughs) Let me uh, ask you an important question, though. And maybe I missed something from the way you've been talking about it. Is there magic in this movie?
0: I think that there's two instances of magic. Okay. I think that the opening sequence where she, like, kind of Jedi mind tricks the prison guard handing her the towels was some magic. And then I think that she's using magic to, like, conjure the locations of all the people, like, before the hit.
1: What evidence do you have for that?
0: The sequence of him of her son murdering all the people involved with the 20 years ago case is juxtaposed with her whispering to that candle skeleton thing and him like communicating with her about where they are. So I think she's like, "Uh, he's on the boat. Uh, He's going to lunch. Uh, He's doing a foot race with Martin Lawrence outside this bar.
1: Isn't he also looking at computer files about where they are, though?
0: I, I think he's... Yeah, he must be doing some research about who they are. But I think the exact coordinates of the hit, she's orchestrating with her mind. No, to be serious, I don't understand the, yeah, the witch thing. the
1: single most insane thing about this movie is that Will Smith is like, she's called La Bruja, and Martin Lawrence <laughs> is like, you fucking she married witch? to
0: Santa Maria. Yes!
1: And like there, even there is even a part in the climax of the movie where she holds up two hands as though she is about to like force tornado push someone away from her. She's about
0: to like Doctor Strange the the whole room. But
1: there is no like a hundred percent visually clear magic in the movie. So you infinite have this infinite power. You know, it's unlimited. Do you know the part I'm talking about where she holds up two hands like she's gonna Doctor Strange I someone? I know exactly what and you're talking happens. about, and nothing happens, and then nothing happens. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> choice
0: (laughs) I thought she maybe like had him somewhat paralyzed at the beginning of the hotel sequence too because she's like the candles there and the picture of him and she's like got that necklace thing or the beads or whatever I am not
1: the most learned cinephile in the world but I have seen movies and I would not I cannot say with confidence this movie has any magic in it
0: (laughs) unlike Uh, Your favorite movie um, Now You See Me too. This movie does not have Clear cut magic in it
1: Um, I've seen Now You See Me too as many times As I've seen Concussion
0: by the way It really toes up to the line of Being a movie with magic in it though
1: In the weirdest way
0: (laughs) Do you want to change your order rating? What would you rate it?
1: I think people are being Making themselves a little easy being like, this is the best Bad Boys movie. Oh, what a wonderful treat that we're getting in January. What a, you know, like, this movie's actually pretty good. It is not. It is not. Stop it. Um, I don't think it's as good as Bad Boys 2. I think you have to appreciate, like, the, albeit misplaced, but the fucking verve and visual sophistication that is happening in that movie is very absent when Michael Bay is not at the helm. This one is stupid Incredibly stupid has Much more charm than the others and I Think still winds up a bad Good but like let's Not overstate our place folks Relative to maybe do little It might seem great Um, But come on
0: Yeah and it's tough too that like none of the supporting Cast you're supposed to care about like Neither the love interest from Ammo The the former drug kingpin's wife or the son are really like actors, you know, or like actors that are so standout that they can carry the load of like that side of the story. I think what I like about this movie is how it finally settles into a logical relationship for Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. But then the plot of it is so convoluted and strange and ultimately so petty that (laughs) it's like, what? This is all just an elaborate spoiler, uh, way of reuniting Will Smith with a lost son, which spoiler is like basically kind of the twist of Gemini man too. Right. How could this man make two identical movies in the same year? Do a fucking Quentin Tarantino movie. Like see if they're doing any pickups for the uh, French dispatch or whatever. Uh, See what PTA's got on the docket. Like, do a weird, like, adult movie. I guess I don't... Like, the adult movies he chooses to do are so, like, goofy, like, collateral beauty. Does he work with auteurs,
1: though, man? Has he ever? No. I
0: don't think he does that. Is that, like, a choice? I think
1: it is a choice. I mean, I think the biggest auteur
0: he's ever worked with is probably Michael Mann. In Ali. Yeah. Yes. Or, of course, Roland Emmerich in uh Of course. Independence. <laughs> um, um, He's worked with really famous action directors.
1: I think it's funny that you bring up Tarantino, though, because he famously turns down the role of Django. I don't think he wants to fit in. He does not want to be, you know... He's not
0: Patrick Bateman in the back of the limousine in American Psycho. <laughs> I just want to fit in. But that's the thing, I... Th- these movies are so bad. Bright Two. Look at this IMDb Just page. Just kill me. <laughs> God, I wonder if that uh, well-known predator is still writing the script. Landis? Oh my God.
1: Is that who you're thinking of?
0: Yeah. Max Landis has been called out pretty hard by several LA-based publications about impropriety.
1: But let's let's take this seriously for a second. Do you think they have solved the orc racism problem? in the bright universe yet is it worth going back is there more healing to be done
0: yeah they're just going to turn their ire back towards typical minorities of latinos and blacks
1: well that's the first movie we did anyway um let's <laughs> go
0: <laughs> wait did you rate bad boys for life you didn't i think bad boys for life is just the softest of bad goods
1: We have a slightly warm feeling toward the movie. I don't even know if it passes the rewatch test. Like, am I going to rewatch this movie? I don't think so.
0: I may give it another try if it's inevitably on HBO. uh, Because now I kind of want to see it again after having discussed it and like having a a decent amount of good things to say about it.
1: It's much more charming if you've seen the first two, like in quick succession. Well, now
0: that I've seen the first two, maybe I'll appreciate it more. Can we just pay one moment of respect to to the real workhorse of this series? Um, Teresa Randall, who plays Teresa, Marcus's wife. She's in all three movies. God love her for that. The continuity. She didn't have to be replaced by Natalie Portman or Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, that's good. She
0: made it through all three.
1: Teresa Randall. I feel like I just saw her in something I really loved. Oh yeah, she's in fucking King of New York The Abel Ferrara movie with Christopher Walken And she plays like his Uzi wielding chief bodyguard She is So fucking cool in that movie She also plays The wife of Spawn in Spawn Remember that, Noah? <laughs> Good for her Good for her, yeah,
0: that's my opinion of Spawn too Um, That's a terrible movie though One of the worst you have ever watched I don't know, man this is such a uh, perplexing piece of Hollywood property here. It really is. And now that, like I said at the top, they're making a fourth one, so buckle up. This could be your new Fast and Furious.
1: I, I do think the moral of those movies is to buckle up, so I will. Um,
0: Let's hope they find a less anonymous villain. Villain for the. Fourth, like, fifth, and sixth installments of this. Can
1: you get like Pedro Pascal or Charles Dance? Get the Mandalorian himself. Any number of Game of Thrones villains. <laughs> or complicated yeah. Game of Thrones character actors.
0: Or get like somebody who hasn't worked in a while. Like what's Javier Bardem up to? And seen him in a second. Like he could definitely be the villain of this.
1: Yeah. I wonder Have if you he's...
0: met my mother. Her house is full of rats. There you go. That was good. Okay. Yeah,
1: I, d- I don't call know. Call it. I don't... <laughs> Just call it. Why would you be coming back then? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we rode together and now we have doed together.
1: <laughs> doed? Is that what you said? <laughs> what a funny understanding of the past tense. These movies have broken us. I, uh... Thanks to the Playlist podcast... When do you
0: think about... What? What do you think about our relationship, Chance? Do you think you Classic are...
1: time for that question.
0: The Mike or Marcus?
1: I, as I said before, am the guy who OD'd on Ecstasy in the alley. You are Mike. <laughs>
0: um, I don't want to be... I, I, prefer, I think I'm more of a Marcus if we're being real. I, I complain far more. That's true. I'm not that handy. That's true. Uh, you think you need me, but actually you do not. <laughs> oh, no. Shit just got real. On that note, thank you to the Playlist Podcast Network. Yeah. Thank you so much to California College of the Arts. (laughs) For sponsoring such a literary show as this.
1: And uh, good to see you, man.
0: Great to see you too. 2020 off to a roaring start. Roaring.
1: I never thought we would blow up this many municipal vehicles. gonna do when they come